The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Coming up on Passion, it is uh, our sex tech segment uh, with Dr. Jason Behrman, who is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Queer Tech MTL. We'll be giving you an update on sexuality-based propaganda, how to protect ourselves. If you heard last month's, it was pretty scary, uh, so we'll teach you how to protect, or he'll tell you how to protect yourself. We'll also talk about Alexa, making her your personal dominatrix and other topics. Uh, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. Remember, you can always send me an email, laurie at drlaurie.com, and I answer all of your questions at the beginning of every show. So first one, when I masturbate, I can ejaculate twice in one sitting. The first ejaculation, I can be five and a half inches hard, but I can last only 50 seconds and I ejaculate a lot. For the second ejaculation, I can last around eight minutes, but I become four and a half inches long, but I ejaculate a little. I am a virgin and I don't masturbate a lot. Is it normal for my penis to do this? And here's why we need sexuality education. Uh, So what is going on? is physiologically normal. And this is part of education that we need, not just about the dangers and the diseases, but also what what is happening to the male body? What's happening to the female body? So this is physiologically uh, normal. What ends up happening is the second time that follows the first quickly can result in delayed ejaculation. And what ends up happening is less blood flow uh, to the penis, as well as less volume of, uh, of ejaculate. Uh, men need a recovery time between ejaculations. We call this the refractory period. And as you get older, that refractory period gets longer and longer. It's, it's kind of, think of it as time to recuperate, regenerate, and uh, be able to get erect again fully, erect. So this is exactly uh, what's happening. If you were to wait longer between ejaculations, well, then this would be um, much less likely uh, to happen. All right. Another question. I'm totally confused when it comes to sex. I crave it and want change in my life at the same time. I am a man, but sometimes I'm nervous to try to have sex. I wish I had more help. If there's any way possible. I'd like advice. Let's keep from advice from the best of the best. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. Although I'm not quite sure what you are uh, worried about. I can tell you that a lot of men experience what we call uh, performance anxiety. So what's performance anxiety? They basically worry about how they will do in bed. They worry about whether they're going to last longer, whether they will be judged by their partner, whether uh, their penis is big enough. Uh, All of these things cause men concern, some men concern. And what happens is when you worry, um, it has an effect on your penis, really. Worrying stops the blood flow for many people. And not only that, the worry will can stop you from even pursuing a relationship simply because you're so anxious 
about the sex part of it that you avoid. So this is avoidance, an avoidance technique, if you will, or, uh, you know, with, so that you don't get yourself in that situation. But it's okay and it's normal to be nervous, especially the first time and, and especially the first time with somebody who's brand new. But the nervousness doesn't last. That's the thing. Once you get comfortable with a partner, uh, then uh, you the more comfortable you get, the less anxious you become. Of course, talking, having good sexual communication with a partner, uh, having a partner who's understanding, who recognizes that nervousness is normal and that it's not related to them. Uh, all of that um, matters in in reducing that nervousness uh, with sex. So those are from two young people. Uh, Here's another uh, email that I got. This is from a gentleman. I've had a loss of libido for the last five years. I've seen several medical GPs and a psychiatrist, all to no avail. I tried antidepressants and Viagra. Not sure why I cannot get it up, but my attraction to girls seems to be all mental, but not physical anymore. Just need to be pointed in the right direction. I have no idea which way to face right now. So loss of libido in men and in women, but let's just talk about you for a minute, uh, may be due to several factors. And one of those that you do mention is um, depression. So loss of libido is not only one of the symptoms of depression, but also, unfortunately, one of the consequences of taking antidepressants. Other factors uh, are stress, fatigue. Those are all culprits in terms of lowering one's uh, libido. Um, and, and medications, which you may be taking. So there are like 200 most popular medications that have sexual side effects, but nobody talks about them. So you need to find out if you're on any medication, ask your doctor, ask your pharmacist. Viagra is not a medication to increase libido. Viagra is there um, to um, basically only give you blood flow, but you need the arousal. To get there. So you need the the desire that leads to the arousal and then the Viagra would work. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So remember that you need to be aroused. So it's really difficult for me to tell what's going on without a thorough evaluation. Limited information. Remember that when I have such limited information, I, I don't have much to go on and can only kind of make some generalizations here and hypothesize as to what may, uh, what may be, uh, what may be going on. But when something is persistent, so when a problem is persistent, so for a, a while now you have felt this loss of libido and you haven't been able to to figure out what it is. That's when you really have to call out for help. This is when you call a sex therapist or a psychologist and figure out what's going on, what are the underlying causes of all this, because there are always underlying causes, whether they're psychological or uh, physical causes, and a therapist would be able to at least direct you and tell the difference where when the cause is psychological versus when the cause is uh, physical. And if it's physical, they'll refer you to a doctor and say, okay, have your doctor check this, this, um, and the other. So uh, really, really important. If you experience, um, for example, uh, 
performance anxiety once or erectile dysfunction once. It's not really erectile dysfunction. It's just that you just, for some reason, it didn't work that night. Don't panic. This is not the time to say, oh my goodness, I probably need help. What's wrong with me? This happens to every man sometimes. Like I said, there's a lot of factors that go into the, uh, go into libido, go into arousal that could impede all of that, right? Like fatigue and stress and all of that. So there's no need to panic. There's no need to identify yourself, diagnose yourself as having ED. Uh, you don't, if it happens just every once in a while, it's when something is persistent and consistent, that's when you should be seeking out help from your medical doctor, um, from a therapist. I can't say that enough. Don't wait, just don't suffer in silence. There is help out there. So that's important. All right, coming up, Dr. Jason Behrman joins me. It is our sex tech feature tonight. And as always, he's going to share uh, some technology that affects us in the bedroom, that affects our relationships. And I'm really, really looking forward to hearing how Alexa can be your very own dominatrix. Not, not that I want her to be mine, but, but just that she could be used for that. Um, I wonder, maybe there's some use for this uh, for therapy. I don't know. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. One of my favorite nights of the month, our sex tech night. Dr. Jason Behrman is here. He is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Queer Tech MTL. Hey, Jason. Hi, Lori. Great to see you. Great to see you as always. I, I don't know whether to be nervous, excited. Like every time you're here, something else scares me. So about technology and I want to throw everything out. <laughs> I would just throw and throw it all away. So hopefully you won't have anything uh, too scary to share with our listeners. But I know uh, there's a few topics they're going to want to hear of. I'm particularly interested in kinky Alexa. I didn't realize she could get kinky. Kinky so Alexa really and the makers of Alexa Amazon aren't too happy with that. Oh, really? Oh, yes, yes. They put some restrictions on um, the certain types of words that Alexa can say back to you now. Really? Yes. All right. So should we start with that or you want to go start with our sexuality-based propaganda that we talked about last time? Yeah, I want to conclude with that segment. Okay, because, let's, can uh, we recap that? Yeah, so um, I wanted to inform the listeners that we have a major problem in society uh, th throughout the world, but especially in the Western world now, where um, mass amounts of propaganda was disseminated through social media in uh, many Western countries. And uh, we find that it was being successful in undermining our democracy and also influencing elections Scary. and also uh, promoting dissent and uh, animosity and polarization in our societies. And uh, it's a new weapon of war. So rather than go to war with uh, other countries by dropping bombs or whatnot, you could uh, disseminate propaganda that makes us fight with each other and undermine our own political establishments. And it's not just adversarial governments that are doing that. Although uh, Russia is one of the main leaders in this uh, field, but it's also people that are very wealthy and they have a lot of deep pockets and they could fund a lot of these propaganda campaigns by hiring um, uh, tech firms to disseminate pro propaganda online. Hmm. So what does this have to do with sexuality? Well, so a lot of the propaganda narratives uh, follow hot button 
topics now in society, such as uh, gender identity, race relations, immigration, you know, all the stuff that's getting mm-hmm. us really riled up now um, right. in the political sphere and also in the media. And so they found um, uh, multiple studies uh, have indicated that uh, a lot of the propaganda used sexual narratives or targeted sexuality and sex education in order to polarize our, our, our populations throughout right. the world. So in Brazil, for example, uh, they just elected a really extreme right-wing uh, government, uh, Bolsonaro, and they discovered that um, some members of the wealthy business class that supported him paid uh, lots of money to disseminate en masse propaganda through WhatsApp, which is a communication yeah. channel. Mm-hmm. And it was... Um, making people super fearful on new uh, amendments to sex education in the country. And it got all these people riled up because uh, they had this propagandist narrative that um, the new sex ed curriculum was trying to turn children gay or make them transgendered or something. And so it riled up the conservative base to get out and vote for Bolsonaro. And also it caused a lot of conflicts with the the more progressive members or the progressive leaning people within the country. So that's just one example of, of many, many ways where we used uh, sexual narratives um, to stir up dissent in society. Wow. wow. We don't so even odd. know what's going... It's almost like people have some kind of control over our minds. That's what it feels like because when you're reading this stuff, you're, oh, it's a story. Oh, mm-hmm. you're just reading something. Mm-hmm. You're not checking to see, wait a second, who's posting it? How is it getting there? What is the purpose? What's the backstory? Like exactly. It's almost like the hidden agenda. Where is this coming from? Who is posting it? And so uh, obviously a lot of these social media platforms, um, they're in a lot of trouble now. Like they've been uh, getting a lot of bad press lately. And they started to make reforms to how uh, content is disseminated on their platforms and also who can sponsor uh, these ads that they were using to okay. disseminate uh, the propaganda where they're trying to make it more uh, transparent so you could see right. like who's actually paying for it and where it's okay. coming from. That's Good. So that's like a great step forward. So how do you so, protect yourself? From so this? we're going to get into like, how do you protect yourself? Mm-hmm. So one of the leaders who did a lot of research and, and, and informed us uh, about what was going on, her name is uh, Renee Darista. And just see a lot of her work. It's just brilliant. And she uh, wrote in an op-ed piece, um, it's important to understand that the topics that these people picked were based on real pre-existing social divisions we have in society. Mm-hmm. They didn't create these rifts. They exploited them. Right. So you have to keep that in mind. So um, isn't that what's happening in the U.S. government is using those things that those hot hot button issues that divide the country yes. into left and right? Oh well, we like, we have it. We right? have it here in yeah, in we Canada. It. We have it it's here in all more, Western it's societies. It's just more flagrant, you know, in yeah. in in the U.S. But. Yeah, and then, uh, well, we have our own issues here. Like, uh, immigration is a very hot-button issue right now in Quebec, and they're using it uh, to uh, Im- influence uh, voters, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily wrong, because it's an important topic that we need to have a well-rounded debate about in society. But then you will get adversarial governments or other uh, people that want to influence elections that will throw gasoline on the fire and try to stir up a whole bunch of dissent. So with that being said is we need to take a hard look at ourselves. And so um, whenever you encounter these hot button issues, like um, 
understand how you're feeling in the moment when you're seeing this type type mm-hmm. of information and how it might be manipulating you or how it might be eliciting a very strong unusual response like do you have like such an overwhelming yuck response when we talk about reforms to sex education or gender identity in mm-hmm. children or lgbtq issues um like look at that take a hard look at yourself and and question like where are these misogynistic or homophobic views coming from in you and why does it elicit that response uh, that sounds like a psychological process that we need to uh, maybe all do. You yes, know? we definitely mm-hmm. all need to. And the, the next factor that they're uh, promoting um, experts, they're saying that we need to inculcate or encourage a more critical media consumption in our society because Absolutely. many people can't tell A from B, high fantasy quality. From, from reality fantasy, also. <laughs> like what's the difference between someone's opinion versus a, a, a clinical trial? You know, like mm-hmm. there's a big difference, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of validity of that, that type of information. And so we have to educate the public about um, the different types of strategies that are being used now to disseminate propaganda so that everybody can recognize when it's happening. And uh, promote a greater debate uh, and how to identify what is a legitimate news source and what how to critically examine like a quality article or not. And so I want to share with um, the listeners, uh, there's some really great resources online. I love it. So there's a YouTube channel. It's called Crash Course. You could go to it. And it's uh, part of PBS, so the public broadcasting. Okay. Uh, And uh, you could learn about anything from, you know, ancient history to, you know, uh, economics. But they have a new segment called Media Literacy. And they developed it just because of this problem of propaganda dis- oh, dissemination. Is it is it good for kids? Uh, all ages. Okay, so it's. For I, all I ages. would say over thirteen would be better. Sex tech advice from Dr. Jason Behrman in studio here tonight. So, uh, so the PBS there's, there's, one. Yeah, yeah, there's it's so it's Crash Course Media Literacy is one segment, mm-hmm. and the other one is called Navigating Digital Information, and both have about eight different courses that are about 12 minutes long and they will take you through like the whole gambit of how to evaluate quality content online and identify you know problematic uh, that is amazing so another word of advice to people um if you're an activist or or really passionate about certain topics good for you uh your activism is essential for us to have a healthy democracy but with that being said if you're an lgbtq activist or some other uh, minority group um be extra careful with the types of groups you follow on facebook and other Mm. social media channels i recommend that you uh follow groups that you know to be real and like the administrators of those groups you know them like they're actually like an active member in your community or someone that you actually know. What's the danger if you join a group that, say, has a really good uh, title or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, versus somebody you know? Because I'm sure a lot of people are doing that, right? Oh, look, they're interested in the same thing I'm interested. I'll join. This is exactly how a lot of this propaganda was disseminated on, on through social media, was through uh, fake groups. And people joined them thinking that they were joining uh, uh, fellow uh, comrades and fighting for some kind of cause. And it turned out to be some Russian troll farm in St. Petersburg that was making fake uh, LGBTQ hmm. activist groups or Black Lives Matter activist groups. And then they just pummeled propaganda to try to dissuade you for from voting from one party. Or they got you all riled up and they put you in a situation where you would all go out and protest on the corner of the street. And then they orchestrated another protest of like an extreme right wing group or something to be on the other side of the street right. just so that you could have a, a physical a altercation. Yeah, That's... Uh... 
Yeah, that's scary. But as you say, as more and more, as this gets more sophisticated and Mm -hmm. the uses of social media get more sophisticated, I think we have to become more and more literate. Uh, Educated, yeah. Educated and media literate. I always talk about porn literacy as Mm -hmm. well, um, but also just media literate. And this isn't just for the kids who sometimes get a lot of media literacy Mm. courses at school because they don't get much. No, no they, get they zero. got squat. Oh my gosh, terrible. Really? Oh, okay. Our, I was our, being hopeful. I don't know. Our schools do not really teach critical thinking, in my opinion. Yeah, so, at all. No. Right. They, they so, teach food feeding. And, and this is the thing is we need, um, and maybe as parents, we need to be on, on top of this, like yeah. not to be afraid to look at this, to talk about this, to get to make our children or get our children to be critical thinkers of what they watch and mm-hmm. not thinking like don't think they're not looking at that. They are looking just yeah. like children are accessing porn and children are accessing all kinds of um, different platforms. And, and so their influence is out there. So we do yeah. have to make them uh, literate to that. Absolutely. Okay, so just two other things is that uh, governments have uh, stepped up too. Mm-hmm. So we have one minute. So um, Estonia and Sweden have set primary examples. They've been bombarded by uh, Russian propaganda for quite some time. And they have released booklets to their populations to explain, like, you know, what to do during a natural disaster, what to do during war. And they added a new segment, which is how to stay vigilant against propaganda. And I'm happy to say that Canada, in, on year of our upcoming election, mm-hmm. has set up a, a government regulatory oversight body to uh, make sure that uh, our election is not going to be influenced by propaganda wow. online. Good. All right. Bravo, Canada. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about adult applications of artificial intelligence. We'll tell you about the auto blow and diagnosing STDs with Dr. Jason Behrman, uh, who's here for our sex tech. But first, let's check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Tonight, it's our sex tech segment with Dr. Jason Behrman. He's the vice president of marketing and communications at Queer Tech MTL. We're going to talk about Alexa, but first let me get to this top, this uh, texter who says, Alexa doesn't really do it for me. There's, uh, Alexa and Siri, but why don't they have any male voices? In a society where many people are polyamorous, why is there only one voice that has a monopoly over Google technology? It totally feels like Big Brother. That's why I don't have Google Home. We could talk about the Big Brother thing, but I just want to test my Siri, and you're going to see, hey, Siri. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, not hearing me. All right. My Siri's a guy. My Siri is a guy with a really cute uh, British accent. So you can choose to have a guy. So yes, you can have that too. Um, but let's talk about this. Well, I, I don't understand. A make, make Alexa your dominatrix. Does that, is that even, does Google know about this? <laughs> well, it's Amazon first. Or of Amazon, yeah. right? Okay. Well, first, um, let, let's give some context here. Um, in the tech sector, there's something called the maker movement. And so the maker movement has been pretty much the democratization of being an inventor. So we have all these gadgets and all this like open source information 
available now where you can tinker and make complex robotics and connected devices without being an engineer. So they're teaching classes now in early high school where kids are able to program a circuit board and develop uh, simple robots wow. and other tools. And uh, it's it's all by uh, you could use like a 3D printer, for example, mm-hmm. to um, make like a, a plastic molded object, which before you would have to depend on some kind of factory to manufacture this exactly. and it would cost forever. Now they're like the size of a microwave oven and you can make stuff like this at home. And we have um, like do-it-yourself programmable circuit boards um, and, and hardware. So it's, um, the most popular brands are known as Raspberry Pi and Arduino. So you can like, you know, connect your lighting system to your stereo and you don't have to be an electrical engineer in order to figure this out. Mm -hmm. You could just watch tutorials online. And we also have a lot of uh, sharing of computer code now. Um, So there's like social networks online called GitHub where uh, computer programmers and software developers freely share different kinds of of code that they developed Hmm. and they debug one another. They help each other out and you could like take this as like little packets or snippets of, uh, of of code and develop your software in an in a easier streamlined fashion. Okay. And you don't have to be this like super software computer scientist to do this. And um, many companies now, they realize that by opening up um, a lot of their hardware and a lot of their devices to the public where the public can tinker with it mm-hmm. and add like their own programmable circuit boards or whatnot, you tap into this huge pool of creativity and ingenuity and you could start and to get sexuality. some, you could start to get some really <laughs> cool stuff going on. And so, um, whenever there's a new technology that has ever been invented by a human being, Within a heartbeat, somebody uses yeah. it for Sex. in some kind of adult <laughs> context. So, for example, like when when the the camera was first developed and then like photography, uh-huh. one of the first images in history that they found that, that that's been recorded were pornographic images. Uh-huh. Like people took images of of nude bodies. Uh, it's just and so like lo and behold, what are people doing now? Well, um, I found some people that were developing BDSM kind of punishment tools. So they're connecting all these programmable uh, hardware devices and they uh, hacked, as it's, it's called, uh, you know, those uh, disciplinary dog collars that give the dog a shock when it, yeah, when it uh-huh, barks too much. Uh-huh. Okay, so they developed... Um, like these different kinds of toys where you could like bind your uh, wrists uh, almost like uh, in shackles, mm-hmm. but there's a platform that separates your two wrists and it contains a labyrinth on the platform and you have to make a ball go through the oh, labyrinth. Yes, I remember a, that game. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But if you don't do it in a certain amount of time, you get an electrical shock. And so this oh is like my. one of many DIY maker movement BDSM <laughs> toys that I found. And, you know, some people get pretty, pretty, uh, hmm, pretty famous for these things Uh, and create them. So what I was saying before is that um, some companies have opened up a lot of their their platforms or their hardware so that people can tinker with it a little bit and make some cool stuff. So I was at a trade show uh, recently and they showed some of these smart devices or smart assistants like Alexa or Google Home. Uh, They connected it to uh, an an industrial process. So they were able to talk to the smart assistant and it was able to control some element of the factory. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Like you turn the heating system on or off or whatever Mm. it was and that was really cool and so you could do this now and you could do it yourself 
And then, lo and behold, with some more research, I find some people got in kinky. a heartbeat. <laughs> people got kinky with these uh, smart assistant devices, and so one person uh, made a splash online, um, who's known online as Deviant Designs, and so he designed uh, Amazon Electra, uh, the Amazon's Alexa, to um, become the world's first robotic dominatrix. Quote oh my goodness! And so he connected it using these uh, programmable. Uh, circuit boards like Raspberry Pi and Adreno uh, to an electric uh, shock collar for dogs. Wow. And so you can wear it and uh, when you're in the mood and you're feeling a little bit uh, submissive you could command Alexa, punish! And then Alexa will respond has the slut been naughty? (laughs) (laughs) And if you respond yes, Alexa will respond, well then, let's give him a little zap. And then, um, and zaps uh, you. Alexa will make you, will subdue you a little bit, show you uh, who's in control. And <laughs> it, you could also tell commands to Alexa where, um, you could say that your partner has been extremely naughty. And then Alexa will deliver a series of uh, short bursts of electric shocks to your partner. Oh my goodness. So now it's called Mistress Alexa. <gasps> there's a Mistress Alexa. Oh, oh so, so attached to a dog collar. So this other person uh, known as Gary, um, he actually had YouTube tutorials uh, online. How to do um, this? To how to build these kinky toys that are connected. And um, so he was one of the leading developers of uh, Mistress Alexa. And um, anyways, this created quite a stir. And uh, also, yeah, no uh, kidding. A- a- Amazon got word of this, and so a spokesperson from Amazon said, um, "This is not a live Alexa skill. This is like it's not available to customers, and it would violate our content policies." Wow. <laughs> so I don't know if they were fearing bad PR. I I, I think this is kind of funny, good PR, but uh, I think it's funny. I, but, I do think it's funny. Well, they made adjustments to Alexa now, and so they. Um, oh, you can't do it anymore oh they blocked the word slut so alexa cannot call you a slut anymore okay but alexa can still zap you if you couldn't you connect those we were talking about those sex toys that are either bluetooth uh, Mm -hmm. operated or uh, whatever smartphone operated couldn't alexa turn on your sex toy for you well, this is what I was describing, this maker movement. Anybody can kind of become an inventor and, and tinker around. And so it's limited by your creativity, how much time you have, and how many resources you want to put into it. But yes, you could connect a whole variety of different electronics now using these right. basic tools that we have. And it's interesting that you brought that up because I'm going to go on to the second part, which is something called buttplug.io. Well, hold on. I want to go back to Alexa. So you can actually say something like, Alexa, turn me on, and Alexa will start the vibrator. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> that should be possible, right? It should be. It's, it's definitely possible. Who's going to do I'm, it and report back to us? <laughs> I'm sure if we do a, a search, an internet search right now, I'm sure it's, it's been there. done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but anyways, there's this website I came across called buttplug.io, and it's an open source standards and software project for controlling intimate hardware, including sex toys, sex machines, and electrostimulation hardware and more. <laughs> so what it is, it's uh, open source on GitHub. And um, 
Open uh, source or open source? Open source. So <laughs> okay. that means anybody can access it, freely distribute right. it, alter it. And it contains um, a bunch of computer code that you can use to alter and make connected uh, sex toys like we were just describing. Wow. And so the developer of it, um, he said that uh, one of the reasons he wanted to do this was to empower people that were disabled or have other different kinds of needs so that they can actually design sex toys for their bodily needs or right. whatever they want. Maybe yeah. without using hands or... Or, or because most the largest market now is for able-bodied people right and so if you don't fall into that category what do you do right all right well we learn something new every time you're on there dr jason bearman uh coming up we'll talk about uh other a- adult applications of ai like diagnosing std so much more to learn on sex tech here it's sex out loud and you're welcome to listen in Passion on CJAD 800. Sex Tech Tonight, Dr. Jason Behrman in studio with me, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Queer Tech MTL. Uh, so this texter writes, what would be the big deal with Alexa turning on your vibrator exactly? I'm not sure it's a it's a big deal, but it's, it has its uses is what we're saying. It, it can be useful. Yeah. Uh, so in a previous episode, I was uh, describing how we are developing uh, new sex toys for uh, overlooked markets and uh, overlooked needs. And one of these markets is uh, people with disabilities and, and people who have uh, reduced mobility. So if they do not have the dexterity in their hands to... Uh, operate one of these devices, um, they're starting to uh, develop connected devices that could read your brain waves or uh, could be voice activated. Mm -hmm. And so this is one example of how you could merge these two types of consumer goods to, you know, solve one of those problems in sexuality. You might even be able to get Alexa to read you an erotic story. Oh, yeah, you could have stuff like that. And like I said, in the beginning of the segment, it's it's you're limited by your creativity and, and your time. And and, you know, with the maker movement, it's just incredible. Uh, some of the things that people dream up and cook up by uh-huh. putting, you know, A plus B, <laughs> you just get uh, amazing, cool stuff. This person is perhaps if she was able to make you climax instead, I would certainly see the appeal. But that would be the point to get you aroused or to use a sex toy to get you to that point. Yeah. It's just get you started is really what Alexa can do. <laughs> I suppose. Or, or like uh, Alexa would be able to figure out after you climax and then she would kind of cuddle you with a soothing voice <laughs> afterwards, you know, so you don't feel so alone. Right. <laughs> Whispering sweet nothings yeah. to you, whatever. Yeah. Alexa, yeah, whisper sweet nothings. Uh, so let's talk about the adult applications of uh, AI. Yeah. Okay. So with artificial intelligence, there's one uh, subdomain of artificial intelligence called machine learning. Uh, and also deep learning. And so how this works is you show um, a, a, a pretty much like a a, a software uh, that's, uh, it's kind of like tries to replicate synthetic neurons, okay? So mm-hmm. when we learn as children or even as adults, uh, quite often we're exposed to, uh, re- like through repetition, we start to learn patterns in something. Right. So like as a child, we're like, okay, here's a picture of a cat. Here's another picture of a cat again and again. And then you start to figure out like, oh, you know, cats have those whiskers and the pointy ears, which are different from the floppy ears and the long tongue of right. the dog. And so mm-hmm. you could make a distinction between the two. Well, we uh, use this in machine learning learning where we take copious amounts of like data, which is like just information and in previous examples, whether it's in the form of text or 
images or video, and we could train these neural nets to recognize patterns, and they could start to figure out like what images are, for example. And so this type of technology has been in uh, use in medicine for a, a few years now. And what we first used it in was in uh, detecting breast tumors from mammograms, mm -hmm. because we had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of digital photos of mammograms. And so we just took those images to train a neural net uh, network oh, wow. to figure out um, healthy breast tissue from a suspicious breast, breast tissue. Right. And so now it's standard practice and you could feed it thousands of mammograms of the day and it will select out like the three or four that are problematic and then the radiologist will only scrutinize those. Wow. So you could really streamline, you know, healthcare services. Right. So we're starting to use this technology in a whole bunch of uh, novel applications now and one of them is in um, identifying skin disorders. So you could actually now take a picture of some kind of skin ailment that you have and uh, um, a machine learning algorithm will be able to pretty much diagnose you and so they just came out now with some of these services from um, a website called firstderm.com uh, slash AI dermatology and what you could do is you can actually take a photograph of your genitals upload it to the platform <laughs> and it could give you a diagnosis as to whether or not you may or may not have a, a sexually transmitted disease based on wow. the lesions on your skin. So that's really fascinating because it opens up uh, greater access to um, healthcare services in and, remote in remote uh, yeah. regions as well, right? Yeah. Where there's uh, less access. And so, yeah, this this is just one application of like many that we're now using this uh, kind of technology in medicine. So, with that being said, um, it's it's interesting. Go check it out, firstderm.com. However, I just want to make it explicitly clear that this is not a replacement for a visit to a doctor. And if uh, the platform gives you a negative diagnosis that's not a guarantee that you are actually uh, non infected with an STD mm -hmm. nor a positive result is not necessarily uh, strongly a definitive, a, a definitive right. diagnosis um, there are many applications that we use in the hospital or clinical settings now that have undergone rigorous clinical trials, but that's not necessarily so for a lot of these free online services. Right. That are these there. are, these are free stuff. Yeah. I heard on, uh, I remember it was an interview or something about a, a, a clinic that operates mm -hmm. like that online. It's mm -hmm. a dermatology, but mm -hmm. you have to, you know, you pay X amount of dollars. It's mm -hmm. not free. And then you send them uh, multiple pictures. They tell you how to take their pictures. Mm -hmm. And then they have dermatologists look at it, apparently. But I'm imagining it might go through the same kind of system. I think what you're describing is more um, a, a doctor will just uh, screen or some, some other healthcare professional will screen the, the, the photos that come uh -huh. in. But this is just like all automated this through, automated. through okay. uh, intelligent software. Wow. So the last application before we go is, oh, my boy. Somebody <laughs> developed a sex toy for men that is based off of artificial intelligence. It's called Auto Blow. <laughs> and um, they were able to uh, bring this to market uh, through a highly successful Indiegogo campaign, which raised over $300,000. So Indiegogo are um, crowdfunding platforms where people can chip in money to make a new invention or right. support a cause. I, I want to know what this is, Auto Blow. I don't want us to run out of time before I find out what it is exactly. So... The makers claim that they trained a smart software to figure out how to give men 10 different oral sex experiences, With including what? one that creates the important human element of surprise by training the this artificial intelligence software with over 8000 minutes of porn videos containing oral sex being performed upon men. 
What? Okay. So the the machine <laughs> is being fed with data in the form of pornographic videos, right. and then somehow they were able to adapt this so that the machine would start to mimic. Uh, movements, uh-huh. mouth, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So I looked on their website. They even have like a, a scientific looking paper explaining how they did this. But is it, does it come with a toy? It's like, like a flesh jack. Okay. Uh, so like, it's like a, the, 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 the flashlight there. Yeah. The, kind of like thing. Like a so tube that you would put your penis in. It's more like a rectangular prism from what I was looking at. And okay. like you hold it, it's, it's like a, a I don't know, a, a skinnier toaster like thing. Uh-huh. It's not, it's less bulky, <laughs> but uh, you insert it and then it you does mean this motion. You insert your penis into exactly. it. Exactly. Right. And then they say that um, from their analysis of all these porn videos, the smart software was able to reveal that there are apparently 16 movements that are the building blocks of oral sex and blowjobs. Wow. Who so, knew? Who knew? Who knew? 16 different movements. So this is a toy mm-hmm. that does this. Auto blow. Controlled by uh, an application? Uh, I, uh, it's, it's, uh, smart. So it's, it's oh, already programmed you know, into it. Oh, okay. That's what it means. Smart. Okay. Well, uh, well, it's <laughs> it, been it trained. It stands on its own. It's been trained. That's what a smart thing is. It's been trained is. off okay. of the, uh, from that 8,000 minutes of, uh, pornographic videos. And now it was able to decipher that there are 16 movements and, uh, the toy will now give 10 different oral sex experiences. So are they doing that now with more and more sex toys? Like, this is the first one I've heard for a, a male sex toy because there aren't that many male sex toys out. But this looks like this guys are going to want this one. Um, one I'm most familiar of um, the application of artificial intelligence in particular in um, the adult industry is through those uh, sex robots so that they can engage in some form of conversation with you. Oh, as one texter mm-hmm. says, soon none of us will need partners. That's the scary part. Mm-hmm. All of this already, it's bad enough that we connect with each other only through social media for many people mm-hmm. and without face-to-face. Now we have all this sex stuff that we're not going to need anybody. Well, whenever there's a new technology, there's there's always some some apprehension and people... People cry chicken little, you know, the sky is falling. Right. And That's time true. and time again, we've seen that, you know, the introduction of technologies has caused some strife in society, but, you know, we were able to overcome. Right. And I think so, our parents said the same thing, or grandparents when, or the great grandparents when the phone was invented, you know. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. nobody's going to see each other anymore. They're mm. only going to talk to each other on this machine Mm. but that's actually we all as humans we still crave human contact absolutely right so i don't think that's going away anytime soon uh dr jason behrman where can people find you uh you could uh find more information about queer tech at our website uh, queertech.ca and uh yeah you could reach out to me uh through linkedin um my name is jason uh, behrman b-e-h-r-m-a-n-n phd All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again uh, next month with some new new and exciting sex tech stuff. I'm going to talk about 3D printed uh, sex toys that you can make yourself. Oh, my goodness. And you can make them in the shape. You can make them in the shape of uh, one of your favorite celebrities. (laughs) We'll talk about that. I'm anxious to hear about that. That's it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you to our technical producer, Dave Simon. If you want to connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>